Hey friend, welcome to the A Wife Like Me podcast where we are here to help you thrive in and outside of marriage. We are pumped to be here. It is our third season of our podcast. And this season, we are going to be bringing you the most favorite live interviews that we have done over the past few years at A Wife Like Me. And so we're breaking down our most favorite, best parts of our lives, bringing you really the best and biggest amount of wisdom that we possibly can this season. So we are kicking this season off. And this interview is with Ron Stoppy. She is the author of The Marriage Mentor and many other amazing books, which you can find at her website, rondastoppy.com. And it's amazing. She's in this segment, she dives into our desire really that we share as wives, really wanting our husbands to change if we are just uh, all honest about that. One of her books is actually called If My Husband Would Change, I'd Be Happy. And so she dives into that. And then also in this segment, she talks about what happens when we assign motives to each other's actions. And uh, I mean, we do this all the time, but I don't think we're really aware of it. So she's going to dive into that and she's hilarious. So you're going to love her, but listen in and then I will share some thoughts at the end. Well, we are so glad that you are with us, Rhonda, and we know that you're going to bring a good word and a good encouragement, and we're just super excited. I am like, yeah, we have the best community and wives who want to just share the love, and they're always inviting people in. So we've got a lot of women here who are just excited, and we welcome you with arms wide open. So thank you for being with us, Rhonda. I'm super excited. Um, uh, so, so you actually, one of the chapters I noticed right away, I think it's the first one, um, is actually a whole book of yours also, um, because here's what I hear you saying, right? The, the tricky part is that so often as wives and husbands too, we're just not living in that intimate, full thriving marriage that we were created for and we're missing it and we want it. We long to have it, but we don't know how and we're, nothing seems to be working or at least we don't know of tools that might work. Then we start blaming our spouse. And so often as mm-hmm. wives, we start blaming our husbands and just think if they would change. And mm-hmm. so you're, you have a chapter on it and then you have a whole book on it. So tell us what's the problem with this, Rhonda? You know, we grow up with those Cinderella happily ever after stories that make us believe our happiness lies in Prince Charming, sweeping us off our feet. So after the honeymoon and we get so we we prepare ourselves for this wedding and we spend all of our time, effort, energy and whatever on the most beautiful day that we're the princess and the belle of the ball. And then we go on our honeymoon and we come home and we start living life. And all of a sudden we are like, I don't think I married Prince Charming. I think I married Sleepy or Dopey or Sneezy or Doc or Snoopy or something. And so we're, you know, we feel like what happened? This was supposed to be awesome. And so that begins this underlying belief that our happiness lies in how well our spouse loves us. My worth, my value lies in being treasured and adored by this person who promised me he was going to. The reality is this, when we look to find our worth, our value in our spouse, what we're doing is we're missing the point. God created us to ache and to long for our worth in who loves us, but it was in the creator of heaven and earth who created us 
to walk with him, to know him, to be loved and adored by him, to find our worth in his love for us. So often what happens is we we get confused and we think that my worth and my value needs to come from my husband measuring up to my expectations. And when he doesn't, instead of going to the one who created me to say, God, I need to find my worth in your adoration for me. We just get mad and resentful toward our spouse. And so when I remember, it wasn't the wife I meant to be. When Steve and I first got married, we got married in the eighties. I had this huge white hat veil thing on that was like this. And it was like, <laughs> so I walked down this aisle and I knew the wife I was going to be. I knew I was going to be this guy's cheerleader. I was a cheerleader. I was a cheer coach. I knew this man was going to get encouragement from me and I was going to enjoy him and I was going to treasure him. And we took a month long honeymoon. I tell about, I talk about that in our first chapter. <laughs> we're hiking yep. up Yellowstone and I we're hiking up to see uh, what's it called? Old Faithful. And as we're hiking, I had taken some um, laxatives that morning because I was constipated from our travel. And Steve's like, take these, it'll, it'll work. Didn't work. So that I'm hiking and all of a sudden I'm like, dude, I got to get down there. I'm going to have my own Old Faithful right here. So he <laughs> hikes down with me and I'm sure he wanted to go up. He wanted to hike up to the top of this mountain to see Old Faithful. And he never got to see it. He walked me back down. Now, 38 years of marriage later, I'll be like, dude, I'll meet you down there. Do your thing. I got to go do mine. But back then I was like a 20 year old little blushing bride and walking down cramping. Hang on. Okay, okay, I'm good. Anyway, but I'm sure at that point the man's like, okay, I didn't marry Cinderella either. Yeah, <laughs> right. It's got right. some issues. <laughs> so here I am. Uh, I come home and we, after a month long, really amazing romantic honeymoon, uh, I go back to work. Steve goes back to work and he was in construction at the time and we lived in the San Francisco Bay area. And so I was working in corporate America and he's working on houses and doing stuff and it was raining. So he would be home playing Atari video games with his brother while on a rainy day because there was no work. And I'd come home and there'd be peanut butter toast crumbs all over the counter in the kitchen. And I don't yes, know why. Yes, time out. What is up with peanut butter? Guys love peanut butter toast. <laughs> I didn't know. And this man was obsessed with it. I think it's a cheap snack. I think that's why. I think when they, when they're buying their own groceries. Yeah. And so he and his brother, peanut butter toast all over the counter. And I just would suck it up and wipe up the cabinet and kind of make a couple comments, you know, I'm working full time, taking care of this house here, but okay. One day I walk in and I'm like gasping, like someone murdered the cat. He comes in and he's like, what's wrong? And I'm like, peanut butter toast, peanut butter toast, all over here. He's like, peanut butter toast? <laughs> but I was so, because what happens is we assign motives to each other's actions. So for me, him not wiping up the peanut butter toast said, you don't care what I do all day. You don't care that I try to keep this house nice and neat. You don't care that I, you know, go to work, come home. In his mind, he's like, I did it on the counter because I was trying not to dirty a dish so we didn't have to dish to wash. So in his mind, he thought he was helping. Helping. Yeah. That oftentimes is the undermining of our relationship. It's the little things that we say, if you cared about me, you would, or if you cared about me, you wouldn't. And we don't say it out loud, but we start collecting and gathering these little resentful thoughts. And, you know, Hebrews talks about those resentments will turn to bitterness and they will defile many. And so that's where a lot of marriages get stuck is in these little tiny uh, unforgiveness, resentments. You know, if you cared about me, you'd know. When we say all he wants is sex and I just want romance. Well, when Steve and I were dating, romance meant he took his lunch half hour and drove all the way across town to bring me flowers. And all he had time for was to hand me the flowers, kiss me on the cheek and go back to work. And I thought that was so romantic. 
after we were married and I quit working after our first child was born and we were in the San Francisco Bay Area. It was very tight budget to do that, but we were remodeling houses, living in them while we were working on them. He came home one day to encourage me and he bought me flowers from the florist. And I said, oh, how expensive. Where I used to say, how romantic. Now, what I was yep. thinking was, you can get these at the grocery store. But I didn't say that. I said, how expensive. And what I told him was, how you used to romance me doesn't work anymore. And you can't afford to romance me the way I want to be romanced. And it pulled the rug out from under him. But he didn't say anything. But I saw it shut him down. And we have to watch. You know, the way that people are raised, the way that they conflict, um, there's an eight steps to making peace in the marriage mentor. It talks about, are you a flight or fight kind of a person? Whatever your normal was when you were raised, if you're in that family that argues and gets, you know, gets it out there and somebody's going to get the upper hand and you're going to fight until somebody's heard. Or if you're the one that just pulls back, I was a middle child. I had an older and a younger sibling who they would fight. I became invisible on the couch. I didn't want any part of it. So I don't fight. I, I flight. I pull back. Well, Stephen, I both do that. So he's in the other room and I know I've shut down his spirit. Now I have a choice to make. I can either suck it up and go, he'll be fine. Or I can go to him and say, Hey, I, I, I'm sorry. Did I, I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. And then he said, yeah, I guess I can't romance you anymore. And I said, that's not it. It was that we need to adjust the way we do that. And we can go to the store, the grocery store and get them way cheaper or whatever. But Let's say you go down the road a little bit longer and you've got some kids. Romance now doesn't even have anything to do with those flowers. Your husband walks in with some Gerber daisies after he's been working all day and he flops them on the kitchen counter. You're making dinner. You're helping the six-year-old with their homework. The two-year-old is clamoring for a cookie and, and you're overwhelmed. And he says, hey, babe, I got you some flowers. And he puts them on the kitchen counter and he goes in the living room and he turns on sports and he watches TV to stay out of your way because you're busy and he's going to just stay out of your way. But he knows I'm going to get laid tonight. I brought her some flowers. So I know. And you're thinking, I want to whop you upside the head with those Gerber daisies because what speaks romance at that season of our life? Get in here and help me. Help me with the six-year-old. Do something with the dinner. And here's here's something. The, the Bible calls our husbands to live with us according to knowledge. They don't know unless we tell them what we need. And we're a moving target. So sometimes it's just saying to them, here's the thing, dude. I want to take you to bed tonight, but I've had on my mama hat all day. I have been touched by so many people. My skin is crawling. Mm -hmm. I need to have you take over. I don't care what you give these crazy people for dinner. Get them to bed. I don't care if they get a bath. Now, every single control freak that's listening is like, no, they have to have their, know, you know, know, five meals and they have to have a bath. Who cares? And I'm going to go in the bedroom and I'm going to take a hot bath and I'm going to find my sexy mama hat. It's under the bed somewhere. And I will meet you in the bedroom if you make all this crazy go away. And that speaks romance to me at this season. And, and yeah. that's coaching him what you really, really need. Yeah. And you know what I love about that, Rhonda? I often tell wives the same thing because I hear that you know, wives say, I want my husband to be more romantic, yet we oftentimes aren't, we have to recognize what we are, what we need in those moments um, mm -hmm. or seasons like you so, you know, point out and just, that's amazing. But for us to recognize, well, what's going on with me? What do, uh, what is it that I even need? Um, so and that I know what I can help, have him help with, you know, is it that- And I it's being vulnerable. Help? 
Yes, yes. Because there's times like, okay, I'm 58 years old now. Uh, I'm blonde. In case you look at my website, I'm, I was a brunette. I finally got tired of fighting the gray. So now I'm just a blonde 58 year old. <laughs> it's way easier. But you know, when I, when I hit middle aged, like between 40 and 45, I put on some weight, just hormonal stuff. I felt really frumpy. My kids were all uh, moved out of the house or moving out of the house. So I was like kind of trying to figure out what am I going to do with myself? I had to buy new clothes because they were even not fitting and it was disappointing. And I remembered not feeling attractive. And I remember having to tell Steve, hey, can you tell me when I look pretty? Because I really feel frumpy. Oh, you look pretty. And I'm like, no, 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 you don't understand. I feel really vulnerable. I feel really like I need to hear it. So, you know, then he's like, oh, okay. So when I make an effort, can you tell me? Okay. And then when he doesn't, it's easy to go, dude, I asked him, so I'm going to sit in the car and huh, instead of going, do I look okay? Do you like my new, oh yeah, it looks like, babe, do I look pretty? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You look pretty. <laughs> Throwing mm -hmm. on the bone, you know, believing yeah. the best about them. First Corinthians 13 yeah. says, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Believe the best about them. Just like you want them to believe the best about you. He yes. wants to show you the love you need. He's tired too. He's slaying yeah. dragons out there. He's keeping his eyes only for you. Uh, you don't know what's out there vying for his attention, the stresses that he's dealing with at the office or at the, at the job site, or if he's a pastor, all of those things that he can't even talk to you about. But just believing the best about each other is a huge, huge part. And then being honest enough to say, Hey, I'm super vulnerable. I just need to, I need that from you. Mm, that's so good. And so wise. This is so fun. Rhonda, we're live every Thursday. We're going to have to have you back on. You're just I would fun. love it. That's Thank fun. You. I would love it. Anything I can do where I don't have to leave my house is all right with me. <laughs> wow. I love everything Rhonda shared. It is so helpful. I, I need that perspective on remembering that I cannot expect my husband to know what I need, when I need it, how I want it, and when, and all the things. You know, it, the truth is, as wives, we do expect certain things from our husbands. I know that I do, and it is really a, a fine line of walking that tension of asking God, God, what is your heart for our marriage? What will bring unity here? What is Amanda's or your own selfish desire? And what is like my heart desire that aligns with you, Lord? And really then i love how rhonda points out that ladies like we it is on us to share what we need from our husbands i think the problem for many of us oftentimes is that we don't even know what we need and like rhonda said it changes with the seasons in some seasons we might need our husband to step it up with the laundry and in other seasons it might be you know what i need more emotional connection with you because i'm drained at work and you know in, in different seasons that looks different but being able to share with them what it is we need from them requires us to know what it is we even need and sometimes that's even hard and so if that's you and you're in a season of like i don't even know what i need i'm just frustrated i'm unhappy whatever that looks like you know, the the quiet times with God, maybe journaling and counseling, um, all of those things help us really dig deep into our hearts and find out what can help us feel more alive with Christ. And so take that time and really 
Dig down deep, get quiet, schedule out some time just to be alone with God and lean into that because I'm pretty much can guarantee for most of us listening, our husbands are not ill-intented people. They are not maliciously trying to make us unhappy. They just don't know how to help or oftentimes we've explained that, but they're human. And so we just need a lot of grace and we need to then remember that it is okay to communicate more and kindly and respectfully. But we just need a lot of help in that process. So I needed her encouragement. I hope you enjoyed it too. She had so many good nuggets and she has so many more. Um, her books are amazing and you can find Rhonda at rondastoppy.com. Again, all of her books, so great. And we just love Rhonda for being with us. And ladies, I'm pumped. We have so many more great episodes, great interviews coming at you for this third season before we kick off our podcast team next season. So we're going to give you the best meet from each interview, the most popular interviews we've had. And we're going to share those with you in this third season. You're going to love, love, love them and get excited because we have more information coming soon on the A Wife Like Me Collective. We cannot wait to share it with you. So excited. We've been working so hard. So we just thank you, friends. If you found this helpful or encouraging, please share it with a friend because that's our goal to spread this wisdom and love and hope and help to every single wife around the globe. So please take a moment, share that encouragement with her. And just thank you for listening to the Wife Like Me podcast. And we will see you next week.